everyone, and welcome at the Echo Ambassador podcast series, What's on the Agenda? A series of episodes by Echo Ambassadors to put social justice issues on the agenda. Issues that are currently a hot topic in the social debate or issues that should be a hot topic in the social debate, according to Echo Ambassadors. My name is Pravini Baburam and I'm hosting this podcast and I'm really excited to have my two next guests, Short Scott and Thais Alejandra. Luis Palacios here with me today for this second episode. So let me um, introduce uh, Short and Thais a bit further. Short is an international and European law major at the Hague University of Applied Sciences and a committee member of the Tribe Student Association and the International Law Student Association. And Thais is an international and European law major at Rijksuniversiteit Groningen, just graduated and has recently started with the legal, legal research, research master, master. <laughs> at Utrecht University. And Thais has also been involved as a PR coordinator at the European International Model United Nations Foundation and as a committee member of the Gender and Law Campaign of Elsa, the Netherlands. So welcome to both of you. Uh, we'll yeah, have um, a lot of... Us. Yeah, I'm happy, happy to here. have you. Uh, we, have, uh, we have time today to discuss, you know, the topics that you feel should be uh, on, the, on the agenda of the social debate. So maybe, Sjoerd, I can uh, start with you. Okay. Um, what's on the agenda for you? Personally, for me, uh, I would say mental health, right? That's what everyone's kind of working on a little bit. I feel like, like it's one of those things that no one ever really properly gets through. They kind of just find a way to cope with it, but no one really finds ways to deal with it. And I feel like for me, no matter how well life can be going, sometimes you still find yourself wanting more, not feeling satisfied, and that can make you feel more depressed, anxious, guilty is one thing that I feel like a lot of people especially in social commentary don't address enough because people will talk about like let's say for example um, like issues with employment issues with money issues with housing and all of these things but I also feel like one of the factors that address it is like let's say if you move here because I'm from St. Martin a very like tiny country in the Caribbean we used to be a colony of the Netherlands it's one of those things so when we move here to like this bigger, more developed country, we all feel this guilt as if, oh, I'm from a smaller country, I'm from a smaller place, so I have to succeed now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is good enough. I have to, be, to do the best to my ability because I'm in a country where there's more possi- possibility and opportunity. And I feel like that can cause people to feel more depressed, more anxious and unsatisfied with whatever they're doing. So personally, for me, I'd say that's one of my main topics I like to address, mental health. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, so happy that you addressed this because this is indeed also something that we uh, uh, we hear so many things about, but they're not being talked about, right? So I'm happy that we have this time to, <laughs> to explore top. that. Yeah, yeah. we get deep immediately. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. And you know, Thais, uh, I remember one of uh, a conversation you know that we had uh, earlier on that that's something that you also have your thoughts about. Would you like to chime yeah, in? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as an only child of a uh, Latin American family, there's always a lot of pressure put on you to succeed, to be social, but at the same time do well in school. And that's something that, you know, can allow you to have a lot of opportunities because you have the support that you need to, mm-hmm. for example, for me to go abroad and study what I want. But it also brings a lot of pressure 
which if you don't learn how to manage it and how to <clears throat> remove yourself from it, it will eventually weigh you down. So I definitely agree that mental health is and has been a very important part of kind of what I want to also change and what I also want to promote. Um, like the past year and a half, I started going to therapy a bit more regularly. Now, not as much, but those like that entire year where I was able to go, you know, maybe once a month, yeah. it really made a difference to just know that, you know, there's these issues that everybody feels somehow mm -hmm. and that you have a support network and about like moving here and feeling lo like, oh, I have to do all of these things because I come from a tiny country or uh -huh. I come from a, you know, for me, I come from a, a Latin American country, which makes studying here very expensive as well. But also mm -hmm. I'm the only one of my family that has come to Europe to study makes this pressure of, oh, I have to make them proud. I have to show that, you know, we Peruvians, you know, are made out of something really good and we have a lot of uh, things to give uh, for the world. So I definitely agree with that. You know, and it's very interesting because one of those things that I always thought this was a thing f that happened to people that are, P that are, that are POC. Mm -hmm. You know, like so a POC thing. For for people who are not familiar with the term POC, people of color. Yeah. yeah. People of color. Uh, well, uh, I should address, my name is Schuert, but I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I should address, I am not white. <laughs> I am indeed a, a POC. <laughs> I, should, I should address that. But, um, and it's one of those things because I always thought it was a POC thing, but you know, even a white European can feel that way. Someone yeah. from Romania, someone from yeah. Bulgaria can have those same issues where, oh, I'm in a very like um, rough environment and I want to fix it. That's why people, when they come here, they, they work so hard and they try to get all the best positions. I don't blame them because I, I thought it was a POC, especially because of where I'm from. You know, that's most of what you see. You see the struggle of your own people. So when you come here, you're like, oh, no, no, it's a struggle for everyone when yeah. they move from a country to study abroad, you know? And I think that is, it's such a thing that no one really talks about. Yeah, and I think it's interesting in that sense, uh, there's kind of, you know, uh, the kind of the visible, you know, uh, markers for feeling othered perhaps, you know, and, and you're talking about people of color, so skin color could be a marker. Mm -hmm. uh, and so then it's easier to find each other in that sense, to, to connect and to discuss. Mm -hmm. But then indeed for people who are not perceived as the other, but who are going through those experiences, it might even be more difficult to, uh, to address those issues. So I think f for those who are going through, you know, mental health um, uh, challenges, can you maybe share uh, with the listeners, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, Thais, you already mentioned therapy really helped you. Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear if you have other strategies to cope. Personally, my thing is, um, I, well, I've, I've never considered therapy. I've tried to get into therapy, but it's actually quite difficult sometimes. It can be quite difficult, yeah. especially based on where you live. Therapy is difficult. I had a really good experience. Like I just went to my GP. It was like, I need a therapist because this and this. Yeah. And like a month later, I was sitting in a couch in front of a really nice uh, wow. psychologist. And then I really like vibed with her. So I just kept on going with her. But like when I was a kid, my parents also made me go to a psychologist. She oh. Make me. <laughs> um, it was a really nice experience, but it was not the same. So I think you really have to be lucky and you really have to find a place that fits you because there's one, it's one thing finding a therapist and there's one thing like another 
finding a therapist that will actually help you. Yeah, that's true. Because I hear horror stories of people being recommended to another person and another person, another person, and they just can't settle down with one. And it's a constant state of appointments. So that's why one of those things where I'm like, especially in, well, in some cultures, they just don't believe in therapy. They just don't do that. Most people just believe in pushing and, you know, carrying on, act as if it doesn't matter. So my way of coping that doesn't involve therapy has been community, Mm. which is, I feel like when you openly share what's happening with people that you know can relate or you assume they could relate, you usually find out when you tell them, you tend to find support that way. So then I feel like that's the way I've managed to do it by just being open about what I'm struggling with. And usually you have people that are either going through the same thing or have already gone through the same thing. So they can help you or they can go through it with you. Yeah. And how do you find your community? Because, you know, if you don't talk about it, then it's really hard to figure out who's, you know, going through the same thing. So what what have been uh, some of your strategies to, to find the people? This is something that I know is very hard for some people to hear but i would say doing what makes you uncomfortable Mm. so if you ever find yourself in a in a position where you're like oh i feel like staying home today don't that's when you shouldn't right because then i feel like it's always when your brain wants to be safe your brain wants to stay in a safe position it's like hey we're going through something stay at home don't see anybody we're gonna figure this out then you have to push yourself to Put on those jeans, put on that shirt. You're going to go outside. You're not going to stay indoors wearing jeans. It's not going to happen. You're going to go outside and you're going to talk to people. And at that point, you're already doing what makes you uncomfortable. Then you have to take it that step further, which is, hey, uh, I'm going through this, right? Even sometimes it can be complete strangers. Saying it helps, Yeah. right? Saying it just, saying it out loud, it's amazing. Because here's the thing. No one likes small talk. Right. Everyone loves a good, deep conversation, no matter the, the location, really. If you go to a party, there's people outside that are talking about it anyway. So it's one of those things that I think you can build community by going out of your comfort zone. Yeah. It's never in your comfort zone. If you live in a place where you feel like there's no one, let's say, of your ethnicity, of your race or people that speak your language. Go out of there. Yeah. If you live in Groningen, which is far away. <laughs> oh, you live in Groningen? I used to live in Groningen. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I, I want to tell you about the mental health over there. Like you should, you should be telling me about it. I am sorry, but when you live in like those really faraway places, you will be alone. I'm pretty sure you probably see another Peruvian like once every three months in Groningen. No, I like I know like four Peruvians that used to live in Groningen. Like that, that was, community. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! I was like, wow! Like and suddenly, a lot of my friends like because. Of course, I'm a very privileged person for studying here and mm-hmm. being able to afford these yeah. very high tuition fees. <laughs> uh, but um, like a lot of my friend group actually managed to like come to the Netherlands. Like I have mm. a couple of friends in Amsterdam, a couple of friends in Groningen. Mm-hmm. So then like it, it, it became better, but it's also about finding this. And again, yeah. like getting yourself out there and being like, okay, hi, I'm... Thais, I'm from Peru. Do you know anyone like that I like we can talk to that we can become friends mm. with? And it also really helps, <clears throat> at least for me, besides talking about mental health, to find people that relate. Yeah. Like community building, as you said. And sometimes it's easier to find people that relate within your like uh people that are in your same circumstances. Like yeah. 
students from a similar country, similar background mm-hmm. that end up coming to the Netherlands to do their bachelor's or their master's. But it definitely takes quite a bit to get used to that, especially if you're a bit shy or if you are a bit worried about, oh, will I be judged for talking about this? But in my opinion, I'd rather be judged by one person or two and then have a really nice community that supports True. me and helps me to get on with what I want to do and my mental health. It's true because no one's going to say, man, I don't really like Thais. She's always open about her feelings. No one's going to say that. Like, no one is going to judge you for saying how you feel, right? Everyone's going to be like, wow, like, I love your honesty. I love that. Like, they'll appreciate it more. And it's one of those things. I love that you said that you got lucky. It's so true. You are very lucky to find your own people in Groningen. Especially in Groningen, right? Especially Groningen. Most people... To see their own people, they have to go from Groningen to The Hague. They have to go from Groningen to Rotterdam. Like, you know what I mean? So you are extreme. I love that you said you're lucky because you're very self-aware. That is (laughs) beautiful. That uh, is beautiful. And also, like, getting mental health support, like, that's also a matter of luck. Oh, yeah. Like, I was lucky that (laughs) I could find a nice therapist. I was lucky that when I told my parents, hi, I'm going to therapy, Mm -hmm. they were like, you know what? Good for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll support you no matter what. I'm lucky that... My friend group also talks a lot about mental health and that I get to meet people like, for example, you that are also advocates for that. But not everybody lives in the same bubble. situations yeah. or in the yeah. same safe bubble, right? Yeah. So, And I'm, I'm curious, uh, Thais, uh, because you mentioned you're also very lucky with your therapist. And, you know, we, we briefly talked about, you know, um, uh, how, how difficult it can be to find, to find uh, a therapist. And... Also making the connection with, you know, the work that we do within ECHO on diversity and inclusion. You know, you mentioned I'm so lucky to have a good therapist. To what extent um, do you think there's enough awareness uh, within that, you know, uh, 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 community also of therapists that they're sensitive towards, you know, people from, for instance, like you from the global south who come here, you know, in a completely new context. Are they culturally sensitive also towards you know the circumstances yeah. that you come from and that you're dealing with what are your thoughts on you know an inclusive therapy for mental health uh, yeah that's one of those things i haven't really gone through therapy myself yeah like maybe um, thais you can reflect yeah, on that here um i didn't really experience this situation where i went to the therapist and she knew what exactly i was going through and why did I feel this way? Because like a lot of constraints that people place upon themselves is also very context specific, mm-hmm. right? For example, for me, um, it's because I come from the global South and I am in this country where I am to a certain extent very othered, right? And a lot of people that come from Europe don't really relate to that as much, especially people that are Dutch. Uh, so then it wasn't that I went and she completely understood me, but I had to explain to her why I was going through this and how I was going through that. And for me, that personally really helped because I get to share my story and I get to do things. But at the same time, if you want to really be understood, like at the beginning by your therapist, you need to find someone that suits your own cultural background or that is at least aware, right? Right. And I don't think that there's this much specialized knowledge about the struggles of 
uh, immigrants and of um, incoming international students that help that. And I think that's increasingly becoming very important to be able to deal with with uh, the refugee crisis. Mm. Like the same person that was able to treat me, it's not able to treat a person that is in a completely different situation as me. So I think that that's something that, you know, you can't really fault universities for that because they teach for the European and for the Dutch context here, right? You don't teach, oh, how will a South American feel? Well, how will someone from uh, a previously colonized country feel? But that's also something that I think should become more talked about. Yeah, so maybe this is a good moment to also check in with you, Thais, in terms of, you know, what's on the agenda. <laughs> um, because I think you're already kind of raising these questions, you know, yeah. to, to what extent um, uh, are people who are, are raised, uh, born and raised in, in Europe, in the West, um, uh, also being educated, you know, on those experiences and histories yeah. of, of the global South. and. Maybe even, you know, uh, speaking also uh, from a personal point of view, I was born and raised in the Netherlands, but my parents are from the global south, right? So there's also the diaspora there that yeah. is, yeah. is linked to those those histories. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, on this issue. And maybe Taisha, uh, you want to maybe further elaborate on what's on the agenda for you and your thoughts on that? Yeah, okay, so coming, it's a bit related, but it's not related to mental health. Uh, so it's more okay so i made the specific choice to study international european law in groningen right but that also implies that i made this very specific choice to forego studying peruvian law or latin american mm. um, legal instruments for example for medical sur the andean community etc and once i arrived to my last year of university my second year third year, I realized, okay, I want to do this research about intellectual property law, thanks to one of the classes that I took at university. But uh, once I started to think about the essay topic that I wanted to write for that class, I realized, okay, I want to do something about intellectual property, and let me find something a bit closer to home. And I found that there's the Andean community, which is uh, like the EU, a transnational organization that has a very nicely built intellectual property regime. And I was like, okay, let's go with this. I'll research this. It seems fun. And once my thesis came, I was like, okay, we, I love the EU. It's very nicely structured according, like, its legal system. More structures than international law, according to myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So I wanted to study the EU... But at the same time, I didn't want to forego this love that I found for the Andean community. And so I started researching. I found a supervisor that I was like, you'd know nothing about this system of law because it's not taught at all. It's not research. But bear with me. Please, like, let me and help me write on this. And he was more than happy to learn with me. And maybe also uh, for listeners uh, to specify, you're talking about... Um Indigenous knowledge, right? And indigenous um, frameworks, it's, or specifically the... It, it is part Indian. of that, because yeah. um, within intellectual property law, the issue of how to incorporate uh, the traditional knowledge of indigenous people is a very highly debated topic. But in this case, it was more of, okay, we have two very different systems of law, which are similar, but different in the sense that there's a Western and non-Western and when I was researching, I would find so many sources in the European Union. Like, 
thousands of books. And when I started to research about the Ani community, I found chapters of books, very select chapters, very deeply buried. And then a couple of them, but only in Spanish. And I only found them because I knew where to look for being mm. Peruvian. Right. Yeah. So after I finished my thesis, I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to research non-Western legal systems and not just from the perspective of, oh, how can we learn as non-Western cultures from our Western counterparts? Uh, a, a common a question is, how can the Andean community learn from the EU? But what can the EU learn from the Andean community? And even if we don't have anything to learn, it's just, why don't we as scholars and as people are more interested in knowing about this experiences of non-Western countries as valuable in themselves. In every law book, you have the same five countries. If you study law, you know which five countries these are. You don't got to tell me. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I decided, you know what, I am going to do this. I'm going to develop my own research agenda in mm. my own little niche topic that I really like and push forth for the inclusion of non-Western uh, perspectives in academia, not only in essays and journal articles, but also in the class and in discussion with other law students. That's really, really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, Short. What are your thoughts on this when you hear Thais's perspective regarding law? Regarding law is one of those things that um, in my time there, I have, I, I came here when I was 17. So when I started studying law, I was learning from scratch because there's no law school in St. Martin. There's no, you don't learn about it in high school. So I'm starting from scratch, like the bottom, like from the very bottom. And as soon as the people come, everyone's like, oh, well, you're going to learn about constitutional law. I'm like, what's a constitution? Like, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't even know the basic generic words. Yeah. And then I have to, I'm playing catch up while everyone's moving forward. Mm -hmm. So now it was, it was a very hard thing for me learning law. I still find myself at points zoning out mm -hmm. when it comes to certain things about law, because it hasn't related to me yet, Right. which I understand your, your, your point of view. We said it's always the same five countries that are involved yeah. because now those same five countries, they learn about those like legislations and those histories in school. Right. Right. For us, we have to, as you said, yeah. dig deep and in certain languages and certain books, you have to find it. And it's like deep within the paragraphs. I learned that myself, especially when I wanted to pick up, let's say, doing a thesis about St. Martin and like the laws there and like comparing it to the other countries. It was one of those things where I realized, wow, we we don't have as much. Or if there is, yeah. I have to dig. I have to right. do research. I have to like talk, like make phone calls and say, Hey, can you find me this? And it was one of those things where I was like, it, it is so fascinating to me realizing how buried a lot of the legislation laws and topics that, uh, people where I come from, like it, it it's impressive to me how buried it is mm -hmm. mostly because they don't think first off like, Oh, you're going to be traveling abroad. Let's prepare you for that. It's a, if you go out there, you're on your own, mm. which I think adds to the mental yeah, health right, part right, right. of, oh, I'm on my own. I have to make this work. Right. Because the, the worst part is I, I, I'm always jealous of people that come from Germany to like the Netherlands. Right. 
it doesn't work out in school here, you just have a two-hour train ride. <laughs> I have a nine-hour flight. I, yeah, well, <laughs> you don't have to know. <laughs> yeah, right. I could imagine. I have nine, maybe twelve on a on a like tw- uh, nine is on a lucky day, like flight to go back, and then I have to go through a whole a whole procedure because it is not easy coming out here. And for me, law was, for the most part, I want I don't want to say a stepping stone, but it was a way for me to find myself in that I wouldn't say I'm like the best law student because I will admit I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, <laughs> not the brightest bulb. I can admit that. But I've always had like, let's say, um, a passion for like talking with people and learning about people and all of these things. That's why I loved cases and looking at all these things like, wait, this really happened? Oh, my God, I couldn't believe that, you know, and it was always those things that fascinated me. And for me, it was just a stepping stone towards finding what I really like and what I can, what I'm really good at. Yeah. You know, because some people, when they enter law, they, they're good at researching. Yeah, yeah. I am God awful at researching. <laughs> God awful. But I am good. I, I, I got good at, especially in law, at presenting an idea, a topic, talking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. those things. Basically, I'm saying I like being on the spotlight. But, that, <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me being I'm curious here from, from both of you, because sure, you mentioned, you know, um, when you, when you uh, study law yeah. in, 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 at university, it doesn't really relate to you. But when you look at the legislations in place for you to travel back home or, or yeah. even come here, mm-hmm. then you actually encounter law, mm-hmm. right? In your lived, uh, lived experience. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how do you, uh, look at the, um, the theory of law that you study and the, the experience of law that is actually being imposed on you being from the global south, you know, and finding your way here. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, uh, on, yeah, on, on those two elements. I would say um, I love that everyone has the same idea, which is when you do an internship, you're always the first thing you feel is, I did not learn this in school because right? like, yeah. that's my thing. I think the theory and practice, very different. It's always different for no matter what you do. And I feel like with law, you do learn all the basics and how to find certain things and where you should probably go. But there's always that feeling when you start doing it in practice or you start experiencing it where you're like, oh, I am very unprepared for this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's one of those things that there's no way to really prepare people besides experiencing it. Right. You know, it's when you have to go through it and when you start meeting people that have also been, I don't want to say victims of law, but, you know, they've 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 felt it. They've felt law. And I think those people almost know more than people that study law, pay tuition Mm. And go and go to school for it, because those people will tell you, no, no, no. Like, yeah, you will you learn this. But here's the articles they said I violated when I did this or entered right. with these documents yeah. or whatever. Right. So it's it's always very it's always very fascinating. But but that's my my opinion is that practice is always way more beneficial than theory. Yeah. When you feel it and you go through it and you like are in the field, best way to learn. But that's my. So Thais, as a research master, <laughs> what are your thoughts? See, that's the thing. For all that, you know, like in high school, I did debate, you know, I, I, I went out there, stood in front of, I don't yeah. know how many people and presented my opinion. And once I started thinking, do I really want to be a lawyer? <laughs> do I like want to go to a court? And 
you know, have the interest of my client in my hands and mm. basically be the one that responsible. You know, is responsible for it. I was like, no, this is not a responsibility I want, but I do definitely agree that, you know, you see the law on paper, like, and you're like, oh, it's very clear. It's very succinctly put, you know, you can, mm-hmm. no, it's not like you can just read a judgment from like, I don't know, like there's this judgment that I read, I think the shell judgment by the Hograd here, yeah. that they have like this weird standard and then <clears> suddenly <throat> they interpreted it to apply for a case. And I was like, oh, very interesting. I did not see that coming, right? So I definitely agree that unless you're like there practicing and you mm-hmm. see how the law is applied and also talk to the people that, you know, have the law applied on them, you don't really understand its full extent Right. But uh, like in one of my classes I was reading, you know, law for all that it is or it tries to be organized. It's not really like you just have this very random principles, very random rules that are just kind of like you have constitutional law, administrative law, right? Private law. But then you see them as very neatly packed boxes or not neatly packed boxes. Mm-hmm. Right. But in order to see that, you have to take the insights from practice and research them. And in order for practicing lawyers to apply them, you know, there's some, some research, researcher out there that is studying this very specific law and it's like, you know what, you can argue this because A, B, and C, yeah. and then the practicing lawyer does it. So it's a very, a very much a back and forth. But I do definitely agree that the law is just on the statute or on the constitution. It, it ends up sometimes looking very different in practice. Mm-hmm. And maybe, um, you know, following up on this, this, this question of practice, Thais, you mentioned, you know, you're looking into non-Western frameworks for, for law. So um, can you maybe give us some insight in uh, what, what would practice look like based on non-Western, you know, frameworks? Because we, we live yeah. in a Western society and I think a lot of people consider the way that our society is shaped uh, through rule of law is kind of universal, right? And yeah. that's goes for, and that's the, actually the best way to shape a society. But I'm curious to hear what are some alternative ways to engage with law, uh, yeah. you know, according to these non-Western frameworks? Well, I still have much research to do, of course. I just started my first year of my master's. But um, <laughs> I think like, first of all, is like the legal culture, not in the sense of the laws themselves, but how lawyers relate to themselves and how people from different cultures relate to other people from their their same culture from another. For example, like, I don't know, if I go to a party here, I want to bring, you know, maybe a little bit good, maybe a little treat for the host, be like, here you are, because that's how I've been taught. But I've heard that here, if you do that, that's no go. Like you just have to kind of show up and and go to the party empty handed. And I'm like, okay, no, I can't. I physically cannot. (laughs) (laughs) So I think like it's the same thing with like the law, right? Because like you said, when you have the law on paper, okay, it seems very nice, very similar to each other. It's just words on a page. But then when you go to the court or deal with your clients or even deal in the case of academia with a particular university or research institute, you have very much the atmosphere that that legal culture has created, like mm-hmm. how people relate to people. And then it's a thing that Western 
stru legal structures and instruments and conceptions have been just basically cut and pasted into non-Western uh, cultures, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the spread of civil law systems and common law systems. But these don't always really fit with how non-Western societies have viewed law for or society for centuries. Like, for example, in my field, intellectual property law, you have the issue of the traditional knowledge of indigenous people. And, you know, the biggest instruments in the world right now about IP law, intellectual property law, they don't touch about this. And there's so much literature to say, okay, these cannot properly assimilate these legal contexts. And then you realize, okay, so is this really an international legal agreement or is this more a, you know, we went to the negotiating table and we just adopted with the mainstream, which is right. Western instruments. So it, it's something that, you know, when you're an international lawyer or study international law, you always take your system with you, yeah. your culture with you. And if, for example, let's say that I am dealing with a Dutch lawyer and I'm a Peruvian lawyer. I'm not, but let's imagine I am. Mm -hmm then I am coming from a different understanding of my own constitutional law, of my own private law, of my own administrative law. And the Dutch person does the same thing. And in order to have a proper conversation, both in a, a judicial uh, matter, like in a court or in an institutional setting at a university, you know, you have to know a little bit about each other's culture, where you come from, where your arguments come from. And you can't do that if there is no information available to you, right? Yeah. Like the other day I had to make a small like paragraph about Peruvian administrative law, which I've never learned because I just graduated high school, took gap year and came here. And I was like, you know, I don't even know the exact term that you're referring to because I've only learned like the English words or the words in like French or even Dutch. So then I had to text my friends. I was like, hi. You know, I don't, I, you know, I know st you study law in Peru. Can you please explain to me what mm. this means? And, you know, yeah. it, it does create a barrier. Yeah, and I, I think the question you also raise, uh, Thais, at least what I'm hearing is, you know, we, we think that you know, law is kind of objective and neutral because it's frameworks that we agreed upon. But the question is, who is we, right? Mm. And, <laughs> and who decided um, what happened and in the in the negotiations yeah. that uh, led to this uh, outcome, and also this idea of um, the 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 professional being separated from the person, and and the cultural frameworks that are in your mind that you use, you know, for uh, for your um, your cases. And I think at least what we see in the work that we do is that um, when you're when you're a minority, you're always used to reflect on yourself because you're always othered yeah. and you, you have to relate to the majority. But it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to find people from the majority who do the same, you know, and mm. who, who feel like, oh, wait a minute, you know, I'm also uh, carrying particular perspectives rather than even though I'm part of, you know, a dominant group. It's still, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's specific. So, um, yeah, maybe um, uh, since uh, we're, we're heading towards the, the end of, of this podcast, we talked about mental health. We talk about, you know, these um, uh, different uh, frameworks for, for law. And, and also, I think, interestingly enough, 
there are some correlations there because it might lead to, you know, the way that you uh, encounter law might lead to kind of mental health questions mm -hmm. that you um, addressed. Um, for, for the listeners who are interested to know more or to do more, um, either in terms of, you know, um, uh, raising awareness in relation to mental health or uh, exploring what those non-Western uh, cultural frameworks look like, uh, my question to you is, what will your call to action be for these listeners to, to engage in these topics? And you can choose which topic. Okay. Like, I think because we both experience a bit of both because you're also a law student mm. and I'm also very interested in mental health. So maybe we can like talk each a little bit about what we think about these both. Yeah, you can, you know, take the floor Topics. and uh, <laughs> you have the time. That would be, that would be interesting. Okay. Yeah. okay. What, what do you think? Yeah, like, so for mental health, like, at least in Latin American countries, it's very much like if you have any sort of mental illness, I don't always like to use the word, the word uh, illness, but for the sake of the conversation, I, I will. Yeah. It's very much a taboo subject, mm -hmm. right? So what should you do at least for my friends and I was really mu very much talking to each other about these experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I know that a lot of uh, people, especially that are older um, than our generation, so to speak, are a bit hesitant to talk about emotions and feelings and how yeah. that impacts you in your daily life. But, you know, the only way that they're going to get confronted with this and eventually accept it is by you talking, like you said. Yeah. And... You know, in my specific context, as a person that, uh, you know, migrated uh, to study here and I've definitely struggled with feelings of loneliness and feelings of otherness. Mm -hmm. It's very much uh, important to remind yourself that, you know, you, you are very cliche, but you're not alone. <laughs> and even if you feel like it's just you in this particular moment and that nobody relates to you, make them relate to you. Like my boyfriend is Dutch. He does not understand how it feels like to leave oh, your yeah. country no. and come to a very different country where you don't understand the language. But I still like, you know, over time, even if he sometimes doesn't understand, I explain to him, I, I guide him through my thought process. Mm. Okay, so here we start, then there's point B, and then eventually why I feel like this. And it's this communication going beyond, I feel something, but also why I feel something why does my background make me feel this way is a very important way, at least for me to foster and protect my mental health in a space where I don't feel fully at home to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, it's like building yourself a home. Yeah. 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 And I, I think your, your strategy actually of not just talking about it, but also, you know, the, the why behind, you know, your, your feelings and, and your experiences uh, can really help um, both in, in awareness, but also in understanding, right? Yeah. I think that's one step yeah. further. So thank you, Thais, for, uh, for those reflections. Because sure. I think I, 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 agree, I agree with you. And I especially love that you mentioned, like, for example, like how your Dutch boyfriend won't like relate to certain things, because I will admit when you, well, when you've been in the Netherlands for so long and in, in, in the Netherlands for so long, and like, let's say, for example, you start making friends with those people, you start dating those people it kind of also makes you appreciate your yeah. own culture a little bit more. You're like, Definitely. wow, we have our own little nugget of like <laughs> oh things that we do yes. and idiosyncrasies that only we understand. Ah, yeah. oh, what a beautiful thing. Shame that they won't understand, but like, wow. Like it just makes you like 
really like think about it. And for me, you know, um, like, yeah, if, uh, for the people that are like listening, they, if, if they have seen my name, they might know about my other activities where I am do, I, I do comedy and, uh, yeah, <laughs> Taisha's pointed at me. She's like, yep, I'm familiar with your work. <laughs> um, I do comedy and for me, it's always been a way to vent because mm. I talk about St. Martin. I talk about stuff I've been through. I talk about my experiences. I talk, I joke about my, my life and stories and this, the way things work out for me. And it's one of those things where when you do these things like comedy, where you're out in the streets, you talk to people, you talk to the crowd, you know, you have these interactions, you ask people where they're from and you ask them, Oh, what's an interesting thing about where you're from? You also learn about other people as well. And it's put into perspective for me, how like how big and also tiny the world is Mm -hmm. because I might think, oh, I'm struggling with my relationship. Oh, what a tough time. I don't want to do anything. I don't think anyone can relate. Then you look in the audience and someone is like, oh, I broke up with my significant other last week. I'm going through it. I came here to have a good time. Now I'm seeing like, oh my goodness, like we're all relating right now. And for me, the coping hasn't just been talking. It's been joking. and Because mm-hmm. joking is what makes people feel comfortable. Yeah. Right? Like when you can openly joke about whatever you're going through, it always puts people in a comfortable position where they're like, oh, okay, I, I don't feel alone. I, I, can, I can talk to this guy because yeah. he won't make me feel bad about what I'm going through, right? And especially with certain videos that I've put out on the internet, for example, regarding Dutch people, Dutch culture, and so on, I've, I've found a lot of people, for example, like expats and, and just people that come here, like immigrants, when they move here, they want to change their lifestyle. They love the videos because they're like, oh my God, like you see it you see the world the way I see it right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm not alone here. And for me, that's been a way of building community, social media. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Because that's all that we have these yeah. days. That's I, the way people showcase themselves. Like a couple of years ago when I was in my second year, Peru, as always, uh, <laughs> a bit of a political turmoil uh, period. Yeah. Um, so we were having, there was a coup d'etat. Uh, people were protesting oh in the streets, you know, like the whole shebang. And I was just there in my room in the Netherlands, safe, uh, like, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, and, you know, I would always talk with my, like, my friends, like, oh, did you know, like, Peru has a past of terrorism, you know, like, my mom had to drop out of, uh, like, one of her uh, undergrads because the university couldn't work because of terrorism, mm. right? They're like, I have no idea. And when the political turmoil was going on, I just didn't know what to do because it was at the same time that... Um, no, it was this year, actually. It was at the same time that uh, Ukrainian refugees were starting to um, go through. I, there was also another political situation. But at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to share about this, how I feel. Like, okay, this is happening in Peru. And this is why you might see me very closed off, very anxious, very just not vibing. And then eventually, like, people, like, started looking at my stories and started sharing them. And I was like, you know what? Great. Now you know what I'm going through. And yeah. you might not 100% relate. You might... You see it. Become yeah. more empathetic, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See and, it. And then it's it's always like, you know, when, when you go to university, because we're with students. Yeah. At, at least I don't openly think, oh, maybe this person, like, is going through this or that. But when you share it, not only with your uh, friends, but also, for example, your supervisor or your study advisors, you can always get more help. Yeah. Because the only way you're going to get the help that you need and the support that you need is by putting it out there yeah. however you want like for example for you it's comedy for me it's just sometimes 
taking an, a news article and complaining and being like, why does this always happen? Yeah. Explaining the background and, you know, mm-hmm. just speaking about it. Yeah. It's the best way. I think, you know, your, your summary of putting it out there, you know, is actually maybe kind of the, um, yeah, like I said, the summary for this conversation, you know, yeah. we, we talked about putting it out there in terms of what you're going through in terms yeah. of mental health, but also, you know, putting the knowledge out there that yeah. has been buried and has been kind of, you know, hidden in, in, um, in, in the, the, the archives uh, and, and, and finding, you know, ways to, you know, uh, expose that as well. And putting it out there on social media, I mm-hmm. hear from you yeah. to raise awareness and to share your story and to connect, you know, to create community. So um, in that sense, I hope that uh, uh, a clear call to action, you know, for the listeners to also uh, put it out there in terms of, you know, um, uh, mental health issues uh, so that you can connect and can um, and heal, you know, because yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, you 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 do it because you want to you want to thrive you you don't just want to survive you want to thrive and yeah. and see and not just as an individual but as a community and and you know we talked about the connections in terms of the global south and how yeah. so many you know uh, similar um uh, challenges and and like if i may like this last point which sure. is a bit more connected to what i'm involved with right so for in the inclusion of non-western systems in academia it's also a matter of not only putting yourself out there, but also the institutions that you want to work with, creating channels that you can actually take, right? For example, like, you know, if you want to work at a university and you only see departments for European law yeah. or for yeah. Dutch law, international law, but not like opportunities for researchers that want to study, I don't know, for example, for you, like maybe uh, law of um, St. Martin's or yeah. maybe... You know, not proving law per se, because of course, if you want to do that, you can go to Peru and do that. But like Mercosur, the organization of American states, the Indian community, ASEAN, the African Union, like these are not opportunities that you can get in every single place. Yeah. And there's always more funding and more opportunities available for people that want to do more mainstream, quote unquote, topics. Yeah. But then that's the thing that I think is like, yeah, it also does revolve around i'd say the overall message of this conversation that we had that it is not just yeah going out there but it's also the goal of going out there right like why what are you trying to do when you do it like you can openly say stuff like what you're going through but intention is the most important thing when you do anything whether it's whether you want to look at the laws of peru or the south or st martin what why What, what are you doing with it and i think that one of the most important things if you're going to go out of your comfort zone and start um you know saying openly how you feel and uh as 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 we've been saying um just sharing more building community yeah i think that's one of the things because you can't do anything by yourself i don't believe in doing anything by yourself i believe in teamwork 100 that that's the best way to do anything because when you're by yourself then the mental health issue is going to come in because you could be doing great you could be you could be leading the charge in 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 the most political debate ever. But if you're the only one doing it, as soon as you walk off that debate stage, you're going to feel lonely, demotivated, like you're going to be wondering, why am I doing this? You have no one else to really be there to pat you on the back and say, we did it today. And also like if you want to do something and you're like, okay, there's a community of, I don't know, researchers or there's a community of uh, people that advocate for mental health and you're like, you know what, I kind of relate to it, but I don't fully have a place there. 
just keep going like keep sharing what you feel like you need and what you want to change and find a community build your own community but also make a place for yourself at the table. absolutely yeah and, and I, I think you know the issue that you also raised Thais in that sense is um we we do have to you know be mindful of uh the power structures that allow those opportunities right yeah. and i think in that sense you're absolutely right assured uh, as an individual you know you can use your voice but uh, to to move those power structures, you need the community and the collective, Absolutely. right, to yeah. to to demand those changes. So I think um, indeed uh, uh, one one other call to action could be you know create that community yeah. and be yeah. be also active in building that community so that we can create that change yeah. uh, together. And actually, um, I want to uh, use this as, as the final words for for this uh, episode okay. because we're at the end of uh, of the second episode. Sure, and Thais, thank you so much for being here <laughs> and for being so us. open about your yeah. your experiences. Yeah, I, I also enjoyed it. So, and also thanks to the listeners. I hope this was also inspiring uh, for you. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>